welcome to episode three of Ashes of the Imperium. I am, as always, Dan, your host for this evening, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Lawrence from Tabletop Tactics. Good evening, Lawrence. Good evening, Dan. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Quite all right. Glad to have you on. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's it, this is this is going to be good. It's the first podcast I've done uh, post eighth edition, so no doubt we've got uh, quite a bit to uh, jabber away about. So hopefully the audience finds it interesting. Fantastic. And uh, in fact, for the audience's benefit, clearly I know who you are. Otherwise, uh, I haven't just haven't just uh, <laughs> you know drunk dialed you or anything. Um, but so if you'd like to uh, just explain to to the guys who are listening who you are and, and sort of um, why you're here. Sure, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I got a random call from Dan, who I'd never met before. (laughs) (laughs) No, right. Okay, so all jokes aside. So my name's Lawrence. Uh, I run a YouTube channel uh, and a website uh, on miniature wargaming, specifically Warhammer 40,000 and Age of Sigmar, as well as some other systems which are uh, up and coming as well. And, uh, yeah, we cover things like battle reports, list analysis, Tactica series. But uh, more recently, we've been uh, doing a lot of in-depth coverage of 8th edition. So uh, that has, of course, led me to to uh, speaking to Dan, uh, where we met at Warhammer Live uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, now I'm here having a nice chat. Fantastic. So what I thought we'd do for this episode, obviously with the new edition, has come some change. And uh, being wargamers, we're we're sometimes a funny bunch when it comes to change. Um, yes. <laughs> but I think what we'd wanted to do is, is talk about the differences, uh, talk about what's what's changed and what's completely different and what's reassuringly familiar, because... Um, one of the things that Steve and Ben and I talked about in previous episodes was our first few games. And since then, you know, I've played a few more games and got to grips with, with some of the, the more, uh, the more major changes, but yeah. obviously you, yourself, you've been, you've been playing seventh quite a lot. Whereas myself, I, I dropped out of seventh as it started to get a little bit bonkers and went into yeah. AOS. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, which is why, which is why Lawrence is here today is, is to sort of add that expert, the subject matter expert opinion. Sure. Thank you. Well, look, uh, yeah, I can def- I'm, for, for me personally, uh, so I'm a Sigma player as well, so I can definitely relate to what you're saying there. But um, I've been playing 40k since, well, since second edition, actually. So uh, somewhat of a veteran, uh, definitely a tournament regular as well. And uh, I've got a few tournaments already lined up. Uh, so hopefully I can sort of speak to 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 every aspect of the game, both with narrative and, uh, you know, competitively, especially with the way that the game has changed now with 8th edition. So, uh, yeah, feel fr- free to uh, hit me with those questions and I'll answer the best of that, that I can. Would you say you were more of a narrative gamer or a competitive gamer? Uh, do you know what? Uh, it, it, <laughs> this may be sound, maybe a loaded answer, but honestly, I think I do both. Um, I, I've I do narrative campaigns on my YouTube channel, and probably actually I enjoy producing those the most. However, uh, I suppose that I, I came to notoriety on the tournament scene with my Dark Elder, particularly last year as well, as I got the uh, I won the ITC circuit best uh, Dark Elder general player in the world, which is pretty exciting. Was that, was that one of uh, one? Was it? It was one of one. Exactly. That's why I won. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, so I've definitely um, shown my face on the tournament scene. I've got a few more tournaments planned this year. I will be returning to the LVO, which is uh, the largest 40K tournament in the world uh, in February next year as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, mix it up. You know, I play narrative and competitive. Uh, I'm, I just enjoy playing the game, to be honest. Fantastic. And I think the, the, the introduction of the three ways to play uh, to 40k which has obviously come from the general's handbook a- aos style um yeah. i think that's cool i think the, the way they're given open play match play and narrative play uh that their own sphere within the game and and the ability for players to buy into that um you know it, to whatever extent they want like yourself you know if you want to 
throw yourself into what i'm saying is narrative gaming doesn't have to be casual you know you exactly. could do some extreme narrative gaming you know get you know dressing up crafting maps uh you know writing extensive backstories posting on forums whatever you want to do or or you yeah. know, you can just say oh this is my general his name's steve you know you can <laughs> exactly. you can take narrative to one extreme or you can do it casually in the same way you can still use match play points and play a in inverted commas competitive game without going yeah. to the lvo and trying to top table exactly right so i mean what they've done with the the, the spheres uh, of, of of gaming if you like is, is brilliant because actually it's it's more accessible now uh, i feel uh, than it ever has been before because you know whether you whether you want to build you know a very granular uh, points-based army you know in, in match play or you want to play a little bit more casually and use those power points you know to throw an army together and uh, and actually <laughs> to be honest it makes the list building a lot easier and uh, it's quicker to actually get an army together on the table you know you've got those options or if you don't even really care about points and you just want to do something narrative you can do that too you know it's uh, it's very cool it's very cool what they've done with eighth edition in that respect yeah definitely i think certainly most of the games i've been playing have been uh have been power points just power levels rather because it's it's been it's been the easiest thing it's been quick to chuck together um, yeah whereas uh, you know i created an army with points and and it's quite interesting actually comparing two armies that are 100 power level and yeah. seeing where they come out on the points because it's very easy to take Tang and Sternguard and uh, give them all combi melters. <laughs> exactly, and not pay anything And not for pay it. the points for it, which is glorious. <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah. Certainly uh, open for some, uh, I think, I think as long as both so players are entering it. Entering, exactly. <laughs> as long as both players are entering it into the right spirit and uh, with exactly. the same expectations, then I'm sure things will be fun. So before we start talking about 8th, let's talk about 7th. Okay. What was, what was your favourite part of 7th? Okay, favorite. <laughs> Again, this is a loaded question. You're, you're two out of two so far, Dan. <laughs> so so the, it's a loaded question, and I'll give you the loaded answer. The, the best thing about seventh was the variety, where the options. That was the best thing about seventh. That was my favorite thing. <laughs> the variety. So the variety. So can the you expand on that for me. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to. I'm probably going to preempt here a little bit. But uh, what I'm going to say is, is the variety came in terms of formations and in terms of uh, – it had the widest range because, remember, I've been playing since second edition 40K. It did have, especially towards the end, the widest range of codexes available ever um you know i remember growing up playing 40k and we had we were lucky to get maybe a codex a year codex every 10 months i remember it usually drop around october and that was like third fourth fourth edition time and you're like oh my goodness i've got a codex you know only only three more years to wait until my army <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know, and some uh, some armies didn't even get one did they <laughs> exactly you know and and seventh edition was revolutionary in that respect uh, that it, it did pump out uh, a lot of codexes over a, a relatively short amount of time and it gave everyone a tremendous amount of options to play that was uh, in many respects the best thing about seventh edition but this is where i'm going to preempt you a little bit it sadly became uh in my experience the worst thing about seventh edition uh also um and i'll expand on that later if you want me to but that's my answer yeah do you know what let's <laughs> let's talk about that now um seventh did it became and we're not here to seventh bash at all and we're not here no. to you know whatever game you want to play and whatever edition of the game you want to play uh you know do what works for you but um certainly i i mean that's why i felt myself um drawn to other systems um was the level of complexity the 
the complexity and the richness and the availability of, of all these options, like you say, was a blessing and a curse at the same time, yeah. wasn't it? Um, yeah. Do you think eighth has, I know it's initial stages at the moment, but do we feel that eighth has addressed that? Okay. So eighth certainly has addressed that. Um, I mean, straight off the bat, we have to bear in mind that, that games workshop have done a sterling job in, <laughs> in delivering, uh, every single army that they had in the game and their rather extensive rules and model range uh, just in one go. Uh, and that's what they've done successfully, I think, with, with the indexes. So to, to, to round off seventh, you know, uh, the, the beauty of it was the variety, but it became its own worst enemy because unfortunately the, with the variety, uh, perhaps the balance wasn't there. And despite having all of these wonderful options, especially at a competitive level, uh, unfortunately you would see the same thing uh, and a lot of uh, you know this uh, key this key term known as a death star uh, sort of re- repeated uh, amongst all of the top tables and that actually became funnily enough despite all of the uh, variety it became quite boring now with eighth edition uh, now the fact that everything can hurt everything else and that the, the, the playing field has been really leveled if you like um, it's actually really, really changed uh, how the game is played and how the meta is played. And I think you absolutely do have the variety now, but you still have the options. And I think that's the key thing. Excellent. I think I think that's fair. Um, and I think we'll we'll start to see um, now. You know, moving on to the eighth discussion, let's get on to the the, the real meat of it. We'll start sure. to see. I think command points and stratagems playing a very, very similar role to what the formations used to do. Yeah. So all the special yeah. rules that came off the back of formations, you can get by using command points or, or, or similar similar kinds of uh, bonuses. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're, 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 the thing is, is that the eighth edition rule set, if you like, is kind of within the individual data sheets. You know, you look at the eighth edition rules, which is perhaps, especially if you're a player coming from seventh edition or maybe even just a previous edition of, of 40,000, you, you look at the rules and you suddenly realize they're, they're across 11 pages, you know, <laughs> and as a veteran 40 K player, you may not be, or a returning 40 K player, you may not be, um, you, you you may not be really expecting that you know but then actually you look at the rules of the codexes and in this case the indexes so far you've got all of the special rules and the, the uniqueness and flavor of the armies are right there in the data sheets and you know you don't need the formations actually when when you have all of those unique special rules and the synergies within the actual armies themselves when you're building the list i don't think that you've lost any flavor at all it's actually really really exciting to build um, lists so far in eighth i've certainly found that myself anyway yeah and actually one of the one of the big criticisms um of age of sigma was that it was you know dumbed down and only mm. only four pages and so couldn't be a good you know it was, it was very you know haters gonna hate kind of thing but exactly um i think the simplest and what we what i found certainly from playing competitive age of sigma is that it's a simple game to play but a very complex uh game to to actually implement on the table because yeah it's easy to learn and it's easy to roll dice and make sure everything goes well but actually that simplicity means that you can get all the 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 boring stuff you know the the moving models around mm. rolling dice um, yeah. the the actual mechanics of the game down to a T straight away. Yeah. It means you don't need to worry about oh is is my unit pointed in the wrong direction? Is my you know is my oh, I said it <laughs> said it in the previous episode? You know is my predator's las cannon sponson 
45 degrees or 47 and a half degrees up pointing. Exactly. You know, what, what, you need to worry about that, yeah, um, which means that you can true. then start to get into the, the special rules and that's yeah. where the game becomes interesting and that's where the interaction between the keywords and the special rules, that's where the game really gets really juicy and meaty and you can kind of, you can earn earn your money as a, as a good player. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it, it, I, I think it's definitely important to reinforce, especially for, you know, some skeptics say that maybe haven't played 8th edition yet and maybe are a little bit skeptical by the, the, the rules that they've seen initially, is that this game um, absolutely very much i think still promotes skill um you know there's a, there's a, it's a dice game let's not forget that and that there is always going to be the element of luck but uh actually the rules really do support good play and uh all of those unique special rules and how you actually build your list and have it synergized with each other and then you know perform with it on the battlefield it's all still there in the eighth edition rule set it's just maybe not initially evident when you read the core rules because actually all of the advanced rules quote unquote if you like are actually in the indexes and in the armies themselves yeah, all, all the advanced stuff is still there. It's just yeah. not upfront and in your face. And I mean, if you take, exactly. for example, Infinity uh, as as a almost direct opposite, the Infinity has a ludicrous amount of complexity in it, and it's all <laughs> yeah. in the main rulebook, which actually makes it for a new player very very intimidating. Yes, um, exactly. And you start playing games, and about game two, you realise that you've been playing something wrong. Game three, you realise oh, I haven't been doing this, and, and actually, all those games they're not wasted. Sure. That, but the experience you're getting is not the full game experience. Yeah. So you're not really learning to play the game properly. You're just learning a few rules at a time, which <laughs> exactly. Which yeah, which is just strikes me as weird. Um, you know, Infinity a great game, but uh, but there's a lot of that complexity up front. Whereas I think I think 40k simplifies it up front and then layers in the complexity in, in the uh, in the data sheets. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better. Actually, it's 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 the perfect it's the perfect mix. It makes it very accessible, and and I think we we all must remember. You know, we 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 love playing the game. Generally speaking, I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you you are an avid gamer uh, or painter or you know whatever your aspect of the hobby is, but your version of the hobby is. But the key thing is is that we all want as a community more players to come in because the more players that we get, the larger the community is, the more chance you have of meeting you know new people and new friends to play the game with, etc. And the more more accessible it is that's the key thing uh the better it is going to be for promoting that hobby so this is this is really really smart i think with what games workshop have done because we actually played our first and filmed our first battle report at tabletop tactics we read the rules and played our first 2000 points battle report when you read the rules in 20 minutes <laughs> you know and it, it, i mean that's like in, in that, seventh just goes, edition, that just goes to show doesn't it <laughs> it does it really does you know in seventh edition or any previous new edition of the game that would never have happened but we were able to sit down together read the rules in 20 minutes have a good understanding of them put together a list with our data sheets and play about uh, and film a battle report you know and granted we made some mistakes but you know what I, I I've never had that experience of any previous edition of 40k and I have to say I had a real blast absolutely no it's and I think that's again referring back to something Steve and Ben and I discuss is that it still feels like 40k but that's to yeah, us what about does I mean does it still does everything that existed before does it still feel like 40k to you 
No, very much so. I, I mean, you know, the, some of the key, you know, the big losses, if you like, uh, and I'm, again, maybe preempting here with a little bit of pre uh, comparison, but uh, when we've got things like the psychic phase, uh, which was extremely bloated before in seventh edition, and things like all of the universal special rules, you know, those things are gone out of the core rules, right? So that immediately shaved about 80 pages off as it was anyway. But uh, because those things were gone, I was able to just read the core rules and actually those things are still in 40k you still f have that experience but instead of the universal rule of feel no pain you know my death guard now have disgustingly resilient you know much like in sigma right it's uh it, the rules are still there they're just called something different and they're unique to the units that you buy and that's really cool you know uh, and what's better about that is is it means that you don't get the abuse of universal special rules because you don't have units, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to part. That's what you had in seventh edition. You had characters that had a universal special rule, which would give it to a unit that they joined, and then you'd get all of these other characters that joined it, and it would suddenly become this this uh, death star of universal special rules that couldn't be killed with two plus rerollable saves and feel no pain and shrouded and stealth, and it just became well, it became rather silly because anything where you suddenly your opponent cannot interact with you in the game and where it comes a foregone conclusion it is in my opinion anyway certainly very damaging for a game because it promotes a non-game it promotes a game where you you build an army and your opponent has no chance of winning and, and that's always uh, you know a shame in my opinion i do like i do like to think of uh seventh the back end of seventh uh as it, as it got to its most monstrous you know yeah. a bit like uh i think it's a jurassic park when they say people were so so busy worrying about whether they could they didn't realize <laughs> didn't really answer the question of whether they should yeah that kind of like what have i created <laughs> exactly exactly you know and it's the thing is especially at higher end play with with uh, tournament players you know you're you're going to the tournament players tend to be the best tournament players because they know how to to break a game if you like or or, or abuse the the loopholes or get the synergies to to work um within certain armies and factions and uh, and then absolutely deploy that on the battlefield and ensure that they mathematically have the best advantage possible uh, and unfortunately seventh edition very much was abusable in that respect but uh now we've got a different kettle of fish on our hands it's very very interesting so you spoke about uh, losses, and we'll, we'll, what we're going to do is we're, I think we're going to move uh, through the, the sort of the phases of the game, uh, okay. stage by stage. But before we do so, you spoke about losses and one of the big changes. I think one of the things that we have lost is uh, the vehicle special rules, haven't we? We've, we've yeah. changed fundamentally the way vehicles work. Yeah, it's a big one, just, isn't it? Uh, for those who potentially haven't played 8th, explain a little about how it differs from 7th. Yeah, no problem. So... Uh... The key change between 7th and 8th is uh, the loss of something called hull points, which is is what the uh, vehicles used to have. And they used to have armor values and armor facing. So you'd have a rear armor, say, of 10. You'd have a front armor of 13 on your Predator chassis, for example. Um, and, you know, depending on what the strength uh, uh, of weapons were, um, plus their D6 uh, penetration roll uh, would would determine whether they actually penetrated the armor and then you'd roll on a damage table and uh, you know it in theory is, is quite cool you know it, it sounds quite cool and you feel you've got uh, different dynamics with the vehicles because they've got different armor values and you've got different uh, different uh, strengths of their armor depending on the facing that you're you're on etc but the problem with, with that was is that of course you've got a generic 
one table and uh, because it's a d6 based system basically you've got a, you've, you've got six results on this table you could technically have uh, a seventh result because of the ap system back in seventh but uh, what it meant is is that in summary despite how powerful this vehicle could be how many however many hole points you gave it you could give it 50 hole points if you wanted to it unfortunately meant that uh, someone could one shot kill your vehicle <laughs> you which know? is which is not what you not what you want when you've you've assembled no. that beautiful forge world <laughs> land raider achilles it's exactly. been hours and hours and hours weathering and perfect perfecting it for the tabletop and then someone exactly. drops some stern guard next to it yeah, and they just go, you know what? Thanks for playing. Uh, please remove your uh, your Achilles Land Raider. Deploy the note card. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. And uh, it, it became a real arms race as a result. So what happened was is that they Games Workshop introduced the super heavy vehicle. So the, what was great about the super heavy vehicle is that it did it ignored the damage table. You weren't allowed to roll on the damage table, right? So what they did then as a counter to that is they introduced the D weapon. So this is over the past two two editions now, sixth and seventh edition, forty k. And so the destroyer weapon was capable of doing inflicting horrendous amounts of damage even on these super heavy vehicles. So that on the roll of a six. It would not only do six plus D6 um, hole points or wounds, it would ignore saves of any kind whatsoever. So it actually, funnily enough, became the equivalent of just rolling a six on the vehicle damage table anyway. So in it's a strange full way, <laughs> it come full circle. Exactly. Now, um, what happened with that is, and this is the shame of uh, the sadness, if you like, of vehicles, is that the meta in seventh edition, especially towards the end, just really promoted monstrous creatures because vehicles could be one shot and uh, your tournament player would want a better average it wouldn't want something that could be removed in one go so easily so they'd have these monstrous creatures because they didn't have a damage table you see because they had wounds right they had wounds so what's happened now with eighth edition well games workshop of course have done the smart thing they've gone right well people aren't using vehicles as much anymore why not well because the core mechanic doesn't support their longevity if you like and uh, what they've effectively done is they've turned vehicles into monstrous creatures by giving them a toughness value now you may initially go well that's ridiculous they're not flesh and bone but uh, actually you know you don't think of the toughness as you know uh, how many you know how much stamina i have if you like or you know how, how much endurance i have you know it, it's more to do with what is my likelihood of my armor surviving you know and that's what the wounds represent you know instead of whole points now it's called wounds and instead of an armor value you've got toughness and actually it works really well because each vehicle now instead of having a catch-all generic damage table each vehicle and monstrous creature which is another quirk that they've changed from seventh to eighth now has their own individual damage table and that's so much better the balance is so much better because depending on how powerful that unit it is and how many points you pay for it you now have a tailored damage chart for that unit and you're talking so you there about the depreciating yes. uh, value so for example uh, a tank as it starts to get uh, more and more damage will become slower its movement value will decrease its ballistic skill the, the the role you need will start to get higher etc etc so you're yeah. so rather than for example a, a land raider on on one hole point in seventh edition was just a very very vulnerable fully functional land raider that's um, right whereas now 
you can imagine this and i think it's quite it's quite fitting really because you know yeah. there there is only war in the 41st millennium and i, I think there's a probably a few heroic last stands that that, that you can reenact on the tabletop and oh, yeah. having a having a nearly crippled land raider with you know what half its treads hanging off a couple of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. one of its las cannons just you know sort of blown apart and, and really just trying to just to to reach that breach and the lines to you know unload its unit of terminators or whatever it was yeah, um, yeah. you can see that and i think it a yes it it makes the game slightly simpler because it removes the av values and the uh, and the whole points and it, it yeah. allows you to cut out some pages in the rule book but but it also it changes the way vehicles vehicles operate on the table because they're not as vulnerable to one shots but that doesn't mean that they're still as good as they always are on turn 1 as they are on turn 3 if they've been taking yeah. damage yeah, exactly. It's it's it was it was the the best thing to do to balance both the monstrous creature and the the vehicle across the system. And again, you've got that individual flavor because each each you know monster type and uh, vehicle type in in your your own indexes have their own table, their own depreciating damage table, and I think that's fantastic. So, just one last question before we 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 move on to the movement yeah. phase. Yeah, see what I did there. Oh, uh, I see. Do you yeah, think we'll, uh, <laughs> that's about as good as it gets here? Um, <laughs> do you think we'll? Do you think we're going to see a a vehicle meta? So, are you talking about like in match play in tournament play? Do I think I see vehicles uh, more regularly than I did in seventh edition? Uh, my answer would be yes to that. You'll definitely see more vehicles, but you know what? They've done a good job in balancing it because with the uh, increase in strength in many vehicles, actually the points for them has increased as well. So you could have a vehicle army, no problem. You know, you can talk about your Ultramarines Battle Company if you like from seventh edition and try and translate translate that into eighth edition and go for some Razorbacks spam you know with lots of 12 shot assault cannons uh, and yeah it will be effective but you're going to get far less on the table than you used to so you're going to have to be a little bit more intelligent i guess with those list building choices because you're lacking a lot of those three point formations that you used to have in seventh edition so things are all of a sudden becoming yeah very very interesting so perhaps we'll see almost a, a more dare I say, realistic approach to warfare with a kind of combined arms approach, you know, a hybrid of of vehicles being supported by infantry, some of which will play a heavy role, some of which will play a light role um, with added added flavour, whether that's psychers or flyers, etc. So it's actually more representative of of a kind of almost, you know, if you take bolt action, for example, you know, you've Mm. got one tank backed up with infantry. You just see that on a slightly larger scale. Yeah. Well, this is the funny thing. Uh, yes. And the, the game uh, and the, the games that I've played and witnessed so far, and obviously we're still very early days into 8th edition, but the game absolutely seems to promote that. I mean, if anything, it really does promote infantry, which also makes sense because if you compare it with uh, how you'd think that the in the fluff, you know, and how uh, armies are supposed to fight, you know, infantry are supposed to be our bread and butter, right? You know, to, to produce all of these expensive vehicles and technology, sh- <laughs> we shouldn't be able to spam it on mass, you know? <laughs> So it makes sense. And uh, the game feels and seems to be playing that way at the moment. Yeah. And I think previously uh, the sort of phrase uh, battle force army was used with a little bit of derision, wasn't it? You know, yeah. uh, you know you've know, you got a tactical squad, a devastator squad and a rhino. <laughs> you know, I've got five devastator squads. Uh, yeah. actually, <laughs> I, I think you'll start to see more, you know, whether it's narratively or indeed match play. Of course, you're always going to get a few spammy things. Naturally, people yeah. will always in that environment want to 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 turn to efficiencies um but yeah. uh, i think you'll start to see a little bit more variety on the uh, on both sides of the scene 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I've, I've already seen a, there's been far more variety in, in the armies that I've seen um, and, and played uh than I'd, I'd seen in the last two years of seventh edition. So we've already got, you know, a much more varied meta, uh, if you want to, if you want to use those words uh, already. So this is this is already a good start. Brilliant. So let's uh, let's crack on with the phases then. The first okay. of which, phase one, is the movement phase. Yes. So in here, one of the one of the most uh, significant changes, I think, is the fact that running has now become something you do in the movement phase, isn't it? And it's now called advancing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, again, this is quite an elegant mechanic because it it just enables you to roll everything into one to one go. You know, didn't, so I don't have to. Didn't we all kind of do that anyway? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's it only promoting what a lot of people are doing anyway. If they knew they wanted to run, they just, you know, you'd just do it in the movement phase. But technically speaking, in seventh edition, you had to actually move, and then you'd have to move everything else, and then you have to go into your shooting phase and do the run. Then now you just do a catch all role this is my advanced role and i add that to my move characteristic because that's another big change everything has its own move characteristic yeah, now an individual again, value yeah which is really exciting because it gives actually you know if you you want to if you're worried about flavor being taken away from from eighth edition it's so it's it's the opposite actually all of the armies are gaining a lot more flavor because they, with that move characteristic alone you know it really really does differentiate the styles of different armies you know dark elder now are extremely fast they feel fast and they're very cinematic in the in the way that they play whereas previously you know a dark elder cabalite warrior would just move the same as uh, you know as any other creature you know as a gene stealer you know it, it just it, it makes sense that something like a gene stealer would be faster than the cabalite warrior etc etc right so it's cool it's very very cool um, how they've made that change. And it's even cooler, I think, that they've helped speed up the game by just rolling things like the run, which is now called the advance, into the movement phase. Do you think in a, in, a, in, a, in a an addition where we start to try and uh, decrease the level of complexity, that having each unit with its own individual value uh, of movement, do you, do you think that adds an unnecessary amount of complexity? Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, initially, it, it's, a, it's like anything. You'll look at your army, uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the players, you know, that are into the rules of the game, they'll read the rules. You know, there's 20 minutes done, and then they'll look at their army and they go, "Oh my goodness, look at all of these statistics and." And that look at all of these additional rules that I've had because they'll be used to having universal special rules, right, uh, from from the rule book in previous editions. But actually, you look at it, most 40K veteran players, you know, they know their army inside out. And it gets to the point, especially after, you know, 15, 20 games, you're not even really you, – you wouldn't you weren't looking at your codex anymore. The only thing you'd be looking at was your opponent's codex or, you know, some, some more obscure ruling that came up, right, or you just double-check a statistic. So actually, I think – after you've played a few games, you're going to know your move characteristics. And after you've played a few games against your local group, you'll probably start knowing their statistics too. So you know what? It's one of those things. You're just learning it in a different way. That's all it is. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think I think that's right. Um, and uh, obviously with, with this individual move, one of the things that's changed is that uh, flyers now have their own minimum and maximum moves, don't they? Yeah, they, they do, yeah. As well. They do. They're actually, I think, overall, they're they're uh, they feel a little faster to me in some ways. Um, 
they've still got some very similar rules from seventh edition that you you have to do a pivot turn of 90 degrees um however they start on the board from turn one and that may be adding to why i feel their effectiveness a little bit more because in seventh edition you'd have to roll for the reserves to come in from turn two generally yeah. speaking and it was always especially if you had like a cestus assault ram full of death uh, death company <laughs> or a, a yeah, storm raven to- with some paladins in it was always a. Yeah. Uh, why are 25% of my army not here on turn two? And they're only yeah. here on turn two if I roll better well. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, and then sometimes your opponent would have, you know, something like Calidus Assassin to debuff your roll and you'd, <laughs> you'd have so much of your army off the board, you'd be crying. You know? yeah, you're fighting but, uphill uh, battle from turn one, aren't you? Yeah. And, you know, again, that's, that's, it brings me back to an earlier example. Like anything where you bring out the interactivity of, 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 of a player from the game is one, not fun for them, and two, just bad for the game. So now you, you start with your flyer on the board. You know, you've paid the points for it. Have it. It's there on the board. But the caveat to that is this is a powerful unit. It is a very fast moving unit, but its maneuverability is limited. It's got a minimum move and a maximum move. And then here's the real kicker if you land, if, if you're forced to land, if you like, with that 90 degree pivot turn, uh, anywhere within one inch of any enemy model or off the board, the unit's destroyed. So, I mean, you have to all of a sudden have to be quite tactical with where you're flying with these flyers <laughs> and how you're positioning them to not only ensure that you stay on the boards, but you also stay away from the enemy and you've got some good firing lines. I think that's really cool, actually, because if you look at, um, say, for example, you know, it was recently in the UK news that. Um, drones were becoming an issue that the the fact that lots of the public have drones these days is, is causing an issue at heathrow airport because it's so close yeah. to london um, yeah. and if you look at the sort of the battle space that these guys are operating in you can't just cruise a high-speed supersonic jet around at willy-nilly you've got to no. stay within probably a, a tightly controlled uh, operations area and yeah. if you imagine your battle on the tabletop taking part in you know in a wider war if you just fly your vendetta a little too far over the boundary, someone's gonna, someone might mistake it for an enemy aircraft, you know, whatever it might hit, another, you know, something. So actually, yeah. it's quite quite realistic, really. You know, stay yeah. in. You know, we can't like if you've played Battlefield on on the PS4 or something. You know, you can't just yeah. fly fly out forever because you get kicked out of the game. It, exactly. You know, it 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 makes sense, and you know that because again, we're sort of we're, I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but because you're not so worried about the the arcs of fire anymore, because you don't have you know my 45 degree arc on my dark lance and my razor wing, you know, actually it represents more how how cool these flyers are that they've done like a strafing run and they've ended up perhaps over in the corner of the battlefield. And yes, they may be shooting at something behind them, you know, technically speaking from a model point of view, but actually cinematically what's just happened is, is they've just flown over and done a strafing run, you know, and it's really, really cool. And it makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, that's something that we can, you know, like you said about the toughness versus the uh, AV of, of a vehicle, it's, it's, it's mm. less, you've got a storm raven it's pointing the wrong way it's more actually it's just about to do this amazing 180 turn with a spin and you know i was yeah. inverted you know that kind of thing and uh exactly, yeah, it's yeah. gonna do something really cool uh now storm ravens talking of yeah is that a thing incredible unit yes triple, thing. triple storm raven with gilliman <laughs> spam is, is that is that going to become the new meta yeah, well, look, uh, look. So uh, a tournament was run one recently with it, and it was actually five Storm Ravens. So. Five, five. <laughs> but here's the thing: uh, look, it's very, very good. But you have to bear in mind uh, that was a, it was a pretty smart build, um, really. You know, it, the reason Storm Ravens so good is it kind of has 
uh, an answer to to everything in some respects because you give it the hurricane bolters it's got anti-hordes you've got Gilliman there for the re-rolls um, they're obviously all ultramarines um, storm ravens in order to do this they've got great anti-tank you can give them the assault cannons you can give them the uh, multi-melters etc etc now what's also difficult for your opponent is is that because they're flyers it's minus one to hit them until they go into hover modes and they are very tough you know and they're very maneuverable so you can go and uh, you know steal objectives etc now look it's a it's a great list is it unbeatable no of course not you know it's it's one of those things which has caught you know <laughs> an average army off of guards off of their guards and has absolutely dominated do i see this being like the new metalist and lasting more than a month or so no i don't because you also have to bear in mind what we have right now is the index catalogs games workshop are releasing not only the chapter approved but of course the codexes and with the codexes and with the chapter approved uh, which i believe will happen every year don't quote me on that but i, I believe that's what the case is think, we're going I to think see what they're looking at is a similar similar thing to the general's handbook exactly is, is right. an, a, an annual an annual update Right. That's what that's what I thought. That was my understanding. So what that means is that when we're getting a redressing of points, you know, if something's going to be abused in, in the game and they suddenly realize that, hey, this is a thing, <laughs> you know, then it will only get redressed. Uh, and that is already the healthiest standpoint that we've had for this game ever so i'm super excited about this so uh, in summary would i go out and buy five storm ravens now no i wouldn't uh, uh one i'd probably wait for my codex just to ensure that i'd have a little bit lo more longevity out of it because you never know what will happen with points or with special rules for that matter you know they may, it can only take a slight change of gilliman's special rule for example like it doesn't it only affects infantry, infantry for example exactly yeah or it doesn't affect flyers, then all of a sudden that that uh, that entire army is suddenly negated. I think so, if, you're, if you're concerned and you're a Necron player, you can't go too far wrong with a couple of pylons. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Very true. The good. But old then suddenly pylon. you're building a list, a very expensive list around a very very specific meta, which is subject to change. So yeah, I think um, very very as you say, very very strong list um, has caught a few people off guard because of the new edition. But uh, yeah. I wouldn't. Uh, I would watch this space. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't make any hasty decisions on on a list on that list quite yet. There we go. There we have it. So, just before we move on to the psychic phase, just touch on something which affects movement and shooting. Really, it's terrain and cover. Yeah. So there's no move through cover anymore. No, there isn't. You and just, you just move. <laughs> whole, we do. You just move. Simple yeah. as that. And the, the whole cover system has, yeah, you know, it's kind of been simplified as well, hasn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, so there are there there is the advanced uh, rules for terrain. You do have a couple of quirks where you can have um, your movement uh, uh, slowed, especially with charges. But generally speaking, uh, it it makes a lot of sense in the respect that now we don't have you know motorbikes driving up levels. <laughs> in now, the ruins. Lawrence, I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump in there because because I, I I ride motorbikes. And, uh, <laughs> I have crashed a couple of times. But I haven't done so whilst trying to drive up a ruin, capturing an objective. It's just when yeah. it's been like a slight, you know, a pothole in the road. In, on the, a bit uh, of dangerous terrain. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, a pothole on the road at 30 miles an hour is dangerous terrain. I, I can't imagine yeah. what driving a space marine bike up at the side of a building is going to be like. Exactly right. So, I mean, you know, look, that was always uh, a ridiculous concept. It was, anyway. wasn't it? And uh, they've taken that away, and I'm very happy about that. Obviously, if you've got things like a fly keyword, that means that you can ignore that, and of course, you can go and land on top of the terrain. 
But what you've got now is this, um, you know, a three-dimensional, if you like, interactivity with the terrain. So if you're infantry, you can move up the terrain, but you just measure upwards. Uh, and you're not you're not slowed. You don't have to roll 2d6 and pick the highest to try and see if you can get up to the next level. You know, if each level's three inches apart, you can go up two levels, no problem. So in that respect, it's really, really simple. The biggest change they've made is with the cover saves you know seventh edition and sixth edition was very much rife with cover saves you know i get a four plus cover for my ruins and now i'm going to use some universal special rules to make that better i'm going to put shrouded on i've got two plus cover save etc now infantry only get the cover save if they're wholly within a terrain feature and the cover save right now is just a plus one to your armor save I really like that. Yeah, well, look, it's very, very simple. And also, it again, it's this thing that we were saying earlier, the whole combined arms thing. It really promotes infantry. It promotes because the infantry can actually be a real mainstay of your army, especially if you've got a board, you know, if you're on a city board, they can really dig in, you know, and uh, entrench themselves and get into cover. And just like in sort of modern warfare, you would expect that the infantry to, you know, move through the cities and, and actually to make use of the cover that they've got. And it seems to all work. On the other end of that spectrum, you've got the vehicles, and they don't get the cover saves unless they're not only within the terrain, but they're 50% obscured. So it's actually really quite difficult for a lot of vehicles, especially the larger ones, to get any sort of cover save whatsoever. And I so, think you, you only have to look at some uh, historical examples of, uh, of armoured warfare in, uh, yeah. <laughs> in built-up areas. I won't, I won't start listing them, but yeah uh it can uh using for example driving tanks through a built built up areas yeah it's, not, it's not necessarily a, bad a great idea, idea. <laughs> exactly right so you know all of a sudden it's it's not only uh mirroring or echoing uh, a little bit of realism you know so i'm it's not saying it's a realistic game it's, 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 it's encouraging it's that, exactly it's it's cool yeah great you know driving a tank through a city but you know, look at that scene in Saving Private Ryan when they when exactly. they're ambushing tanks, putting sticky bombs. Yeah. Like, the sticky bombs, yeah. That's what a melter bomb is, isn't it? It's a, it's a yeah. magnetic, magnetic yeah. thermocharge. <laughs> exactly. You know, blowing the tracks off. Exactly. All of a sudden, I, I the think that's really cool. Up. Like you say, it, it encourages that that combined arms, that different approach, and, and encourages people to think take a more varied approach to their army building. Yeah, which is which is cool. And so that I mean, the the, the interactivity of the terrain alone heavily promotes that. Exactly. Cool. So movement, we just got and a little bit more as well, but uh, we're now going to go on to a phase which you, in the introduction, described as extremely bloated. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That psychic phase. <laughs> so yeah. in summary, what's changed? Okay, so in summary, we do not have, uh, you know, I think it was, a, this is an approximation, I think it was about 140 different psychic cards available across all of the factions in 7th edition. Uh, we no longer have that and uh, the psychic powers have you know in some respects you could say you could go so far as to say they've been gutted and uh, at the moment each faction uh, only has uh, three powers to pick from in the indexes now that is a dramatic difference to the uh, previous edition uh, with that is actually uh, uh, one of the best changes so far is that like Universal Special Rules, in 7th edition, the psychic powers could be abused because the synergy of multiple psychers and the buffs that they could give could create some effectively unkillable units. Again, that's not very cool. Psychic powers now have been completely streamlined. Uh, they still got some unique flavor, and the different factions have their own sort of you know, uh, uh, buffs or attacking powers, if you like. But uh, right now, you do not have the ability 
to spam uh, a whole bunch of psychers and synergize their powers and in, combine them into some sort of, you know, uh, doomsday weapon. So, <laughs> you know, it's good. Perils of the Warp and still that flavor is still there in the psychic phase, which is very, very cool. And things like Smite, which is a power which everyone knows does mortal wounds, which is the best sort of uh, damage that you can do in the current best editions. Best kind of wounds, so, mortal absolutely, wounds. Absolutely, absolutely. A mortal wound is most, most definitely the best kind. And, and it's cool because psychers still feel powerful so they but haven't still made that them, risk there isn't it right exactly they haven't made them untakeable they're still really good but at the same time you're going to have to be a bit more clever that, with them now you can't just rely on creating some sort of psychic death star yeah and i think for me certainly as i say for someone that was draw, drawn away or, or dare i say pushed away by by seventh edition uh yeah that extremely bloated you've you've lost that you've now got a much more elegant uh way of implementing that power with with as you say with the risk there but you've still yeah. got people on on the tabletop that feel like they can you know orcs doing the jump that's yeah. cool you know yeah and smite, it is you know, it's scary <laughs> smite, yeah. smite is cool because for each each faction it can be you know it's, it's called smite sure but you know your your orc's not going to smite anyone he's going to punch someone with a massive green fist isn't it yeah exactly it it can take different different uh different uh shapes for different armies yeah wherever your imagination takes you you know it's it's absolutely it's absolutely legitimate and i think as the as the new codex has come out we're going to see some really really interesting uh psychic powers well, exactly. This is just the thing. So you've, you've hit the net on the head. So this is what we have now. And, you know, Games Workshop have done a great job of implementing all of the different flavors in the indexes. But that's only going to be expanded upon. We know that there are codexes coming. They've already said, if you haven't uh, checked out the Warhammer community page, that they're planning on trying to do around <laughs> as many as 10, ten, ten codexes. before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. Has, which it, is, has it ever really been a exciting. better time to be a hobbyist? I'll tell you that. Never, never. That you're not. We're not going to be in situations like you were describing before of of waiting two years for a codex. You know, no. You know, so gonna, it, yeah, it's it's cool. I like that. It, it's it's very cool, and and because of the the releases being done so close to each other, that also indicate indicates that playtesting is being done really close to each other, which again narrows that gap of that that age-old thing which every uh, games workshop player would know about that whole whole codex creep thing you know <laughs> so uh, this is good it means that we're, we're everything's more likely to be on an even playing field from the get-go which is definitely, good definitely so on to the uh the star of the show the shooting right. phase yeah so yeah it's still BS. big and bad bs has changed yes it has uh, i mean it has and it hasn't so what they've done is all they've done is removed that uh, that Se- table seven so, you know, minus minus <laughs> yeah. your BS from seven. They've given you it was all it realistically it was a fixed it was a fixed rate anyway. Yeah, but it always was it fixed to rate. <laughs> exactly, you know. So uh, again, it it's it it may seem oh well it's just really simple. Is it too simple? Well, no. It's 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 still as varied as it was before. It's just your to hit roll is your to hit roll, and it's on your data sheet. It's as simple as that. Nice and elegant really quick you can just pick up your index have a look at the, the to hit roll and you know what you're doing you don't have to work out anything on a table which obviously as a veteran 40k player you didn't have any issues with that but remember as if you can recast your mind back to when you first started playing 40k and there was this table with this minus you know seven minus your ballistic skill you'd be like huh what <laughs> you'd yeah. be, be like well, I, I have to do this math why, every why, single time why seven <laughs> in fact someone someone asked us that actually recently we were playing uh we were playing a different game and they just said what, oh, why seven? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, it's just the number you take it away from. 
But yeah. why? Like, <laughs> yeah, but why? It's not on a dice, is it? Yeah, why seven? <laughs> and what about to wound? The wound table's changed as well, hasn't yes, it? Yes, massively as well. So, I mean, this is, again, you know, a bit of a nod to Sigma here because it really works. Um, everything now does that still have a strength table. Uh, so, whereas Sigma, your units actually wound on a fixed roll. 40k is a little bit more advanced than that. You do have a table of sorts, but the table is dramatically cut down and it's much, much more simple. So all of a sudden, if your strength is equal to the opponent's toughness, you know it's a 50% chance it's a four or more. If their toughness is greater than your strength, it's a five or more to wound. If it's lesser uh, than your strength, then it's a three or more to wound. And then what they do is they take it a step further. If it's double, it then becomes sixes to wound or twos to wound respectively which just makes it again very very simple and it ensures that you don't have such a uh, you don't have such a wide range in weapons effectiveness and what i mean by that is is that a lot more weapons are valid now whereas in like seventh edition strength six strength seven weapons spans were kind of like the king because they would wound your average toughness on twos whereas in Eighth edition, now if you take strength six weapons, well, before when you're wounding Marines, so this is a classic example, the dreaded scat pack elder, the three scatter laser jet bike elder, they used to pump 12 shots into a space marine squad and, uh, you know, they'd hit eight times on average and then they would wound, you know, six or seven times because they were wounding on twos. Now, however, they actually wound on threes. It makes the Space Marines a little bit tougher. And so the toughness and strength and toughness is a little bit more forgiving on both sides, I think. And especially if you do have people in cover, for example, you take that Space Marine squad, put it in cover. Uh, if you're firing a LAS cannon in, in seventh, if you fired a LAS cannon at it or an auto cannon at it, at it they'd, they'd hit on the same because it's the same fire. Yeah. It would yeah. wound on the same because they're both wounding on twos. That's right. the, AP, the AP didn't come into it because they're in cover, so it didn't matter. That's right, exactly. I suppose you'd be getting a four-up four cover save if you're four-up instead of the three-up. But, but you know, realistically, there wasn't that much difference. And to be honest, yeah. I'd rather have more shots. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. You, you'd absolutely. You're absolutely correct. Um, so and again, talking of cover and shooting, we talked about the a little bit in the uh, in the movement phase and ter- terrain. Do you think cover is going to play uh, a bigger role? For example, if you look in AOS, the amount of te- terrain on tables has mm. significantly increased from when it used to be Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Do you think yeah. we're going to see an increase in cover and terrain, or do you think we're going to have roughly the same amount now, especially look, now that it's sim- simpler? Does yeah, it slow look- the game down? Look, I hope so, is my answer to that. I, for, I mean, just personally, I think nothing looks better than actually a board full of terrain and, you know, yeah. like a two, real live... Two fully painted stretch. armies on, yeah. some, uh, on a mat or a board <laughs> with some decent terrain. Yeah, of course. That's, that's what this hobby's about. Yeah, you know, you, you, and whether you're a competitive gamer or a narrative gamer, I think we should, we probably, uh, I would hope, all share the, the, the love of the cinema of the game. You know, I mean, ultimately, we're playing with toy soldiers. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? So, <laughs> you know, we want a certain element of uh, it looking cool on the battlefield. And I think if you've got this immersive terrain and you've got these two armies spread out across each other and they're fighting over this terrain, one, it looks really cool. But two, I think now we've given the new changes to the the terrain system, it does promote 
in my opinion, larger pieces of, of, of area terrain, if you like, so these bigger blocks of ruins so that your infantry can uh, make more use of the cover. And moreover, if you want your vehicles to benefit as well, it does also promote having some, you know, ruined walls and so forth within that large those larger pieces of area terrain so that they've got a little bit of interactivity as well so look the hope is the hope is that we will see more terrain because we'll we'll be making more use of it um i don't know we'll have to see i mean it's that that's going to be more for the tournament organizers to uh, to get together i guess <laughs> you know and uh, and one quick one on tournaments uh sure and uh the size of the game and the speed we you know we we talk about how how the game's becoming a bit more streamlined do you mm. think the tournament scene are we going to see a change from the the three gate three games at 2000 points or do you think we might go to four In games slightly smaller or well, this is a this is a great question. Is that so, one I mean, change too far for the scene? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the biggest. So, I mean, you've got two major uh, tournament circuits in the in the world for forty k at the moment. There are others as well, but uh, at the moment, you've got the ETC and the ITC. So, this is European Team Championships, and you've got the uh, independent tournament circuits. Uh, and these tournaments traditionally played uh, at eighteen fifty points. Uh, throughout seventh edition certainly for the uh, single events anyway and that equivalent now in terms of time and also in terms of actually the models that you get is about 2000 points in 40k eighth edition uh, certainly the list that i've put together it seems a 2000 point list in uh, eighth edition seems to be around the 1850 mark for seventh the game plays probably i would say a little bit faster, but not too much faster. And the biggest issue that you've had in any tournaments uh, that I've been to in seventh edition was the game running out of time <laughs> before you could actually finish the game. So you would end up you playing, you know, three or four turns, especially if you had like uh, larger, very psychic heavy armies, because uh, that phase took such a long time um, before. Now, I think we will see more games finished now to answer your question. Do I think that they'll reduce the points to make it quicker? I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. It's because the, the ITC put a big vote out. They wanted to reduce the points to 1650 points. This was about four months before 8th edition launched. And uh, the, the community voted against it in the ITC format because ultimately people just love bringing more toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I can That's test that having written a few yeah. lists. Yeah, you just want to bring more toys. You go, oh, can I have some more points? You know, so it's. Uh, I think they'll probably stick to around the two thousand points mark. I don't. I don't anticipate them increasing that um, because I. I think then all of a sudden we'd be in the same situation as we had before. We just wouldn't finish the games. Yeah, I think I suspect we'll still see a three-game format on a day with a two thousand-point limit. That's what I suspect will happen. Yeah, that makes sense. And at least that way, if you're playing a three game over two days, you know, because some tournaments do five and some tournaments do six games total, I think that third game on day two will will finish on time and everyone will get the majority, if not the whole game done. And you'll be able to go to prize giving on time because there's nothing worse when you finished your game and you're just waiting, you know, two hours for a prize giving event and then you've got another three hour drive home. You know, uh, I think I think we'll see tournaments potentially uh, become more streamlined and on time rather than, yeah, as you say, increasing the number of games. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the thing is, the admin of the game now, the the actual physical administration. You're not, we're not rocking up to a seventh edition tournament with you know uh, an army built of uh, four different factions, a small a small library of, uh, <laughs> of books, half a rainforest worth of paper with you. Exactly right. So you know, in theory, the admin of the game is is faster. And don't get me, the game is does does play faster than seventh. Uh, I'm I'm obviously looking at this through the spectacles of, of of still being quite new to eighth myself. So I'm doing quite a bit of reference checking just on my own armies right I now. Think we but, all are. Yeah, exactly. But I, I suspect, you know, we will probably be able to shave a good half an hour off of the old 1857 edition uh, tournament playtime. So that that's a good thing. Definitely, definitely. So uh, just jetting back to shooting very quickly, um, sure. a- allocation of wounds has changed, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, it's empowering the defender in this respect. He can choose who gets wounded. Now, once he's chosen, if you've got multiple wounds uh, in a unit, uh, and say you've got Terminators, which have two wounds now, which is very cool, uh, if you start applying wounds to one model, then you must, in future shooting, take the wounds from the same model. So it's good in the fact that you can't suddenly abuse it then and go, oh, well, now I'm going to take wounds from this model and start spreading yeah, out. like the units. older uh, Orc Knobs <laughs> units used to do something exactly. similar because you, if, as, it was every... Every model that was armed the same, you had to apply. Whereas if you had a, a knob with a power claw and a multi something, but you could do it That's to right. them, and then you could do it to a different one with a big chopper. And you know, yeah. you suddenly had a unit of of ten ten models which had twenty wounds, and you could get them yeah. all down to one wound before you had to take the first one off. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was the fifth edition you're talking about. Well remembered there. It's it, you know you, the wound shenanigans were real. And this isn't uh, my first rodeo. Confused. No, it's not. Apparently not. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Now the player um, is what's cool about it is yes, they have to continue to take wounds from the same model. But where they can now choose, it enables them to have their cool toys that they've paid for around longer. So you don't have to worry about putting your sergeant up out front and yeah. him dying. You or know, worrying it's, about putting and again lack of templates. You put putting your flamer dude at the front yeah. worrying about them getting shot off you know things like that it just it takes that that's what we're talking about it takes that admin burden away from the players so they yeah, can get on with so. you know roasting the enemies of the imperium in holy prometheum i mean exactly. what's what's not to like there, there is nothing there is nothing not to like about that statement <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. i love the smell of roasting heretic in the morning oh absolutely perfect <laughs> So, uh, so before we move on to sort of the uh, the crunchy point of the where the where the chopper meets the uh, the power armor in the charge and yeah. fight phase, have so you got any any last points to talk about with shooting? No, I think we I think we've summarised it quite well. The the key changes, of course, just to just to summarise, is the to hit roll is now fixed on your data sheets. Uh, there isn't you, you've done away with tables uh the table if you like i wouldn't call it a table but the uh the wound rolling the, the toughness and strength based system is much more simplified now and actually increases the variety of weapons that can be used in the game and their effectiveness which is great uh and then if we've spoken about we've uh, touched on cover again as well so i think yeah that's that shooting in its essence it still feels very much like 40k but now more than ever i think uh, a, a healthy variety of weapons and the different sorts of things that we'll see like template weapons are very much back in a big way now because the templates obviously don't exist anymore which is ultimately good i don't think we spoke about that really but uh the templates being removed 
well, kind of a good thing because guards, like especially Imperial Guard with their um, their battle tanks, the old templates used to actually suffer because they'd only actually hit on a 33% chance. Granted, they could minus their ballistic skill from the scatter roll, but it wasn't that accurate. And then on top of that, people would just spread out, you know, with their coherency. So your massive battle cannon round would likely only ever hit two or three models at best anyway. So, <laughs> so now at least you feel like those bigger weapons are much more threatening especially against things like monstrous creatures where traditionally a template would hit a wraith knight for example it would only be one hit whereas now a battle cannon round can do multiple damage against him so it's very very cool and uh, did you find uh, that during tournaments that too much time was spent especially if you're facing say for example an artillery heavy guard army that your mm. opponent then uh, or, or the opponents spent too much time spacing their guys out their their you know Pretty army so. out the, to the to the minimum damage you know you, you know what i mean yeah, of course you'd get, and you know, and it, it, fair play to them. You know, they're just doing they're right, doing their so. best to, yeah, to defend themselves. But uh, it would unfortunately mean that they would end up having a forty-minute movement phase, and they haven't even started shooting yet. Which one is quite boring for you, just watching them move their models and space them out with their tape measure. But uh, two, you know, it it just it dramatically uh, reduced the effectiveness of these really cool cannons and like battle tanks and the things which you would expect to be doing massive damage you know uh, against an opponent just say suddenly became really not that good which is why in the end especially in seventh edition you just never really saw astra militarum army it's not really especially it certainly didn't see the uh, lehman russ battle tank often yeah and the more of those on the tabletop the better i'm a big fan yeah. of tanks yeah absolutely so i have a bit of an admission to make lawrence a bit oh, of a, uh, a guilty a guilty admission here now i know i refer to shooting as the star of the show but actually <laughs> as a as a big fan of tyranids as a uh, uh, as a long time long-term uh blood angels player yeah. and also now having just recently started an orc army yeah I think the charge and fight phase is my favorite. Right, oh, my okay, favorite so. phases. That's that's where my that's where my heart heart really lies. I'm going to forgive this this uh, this this little white lie uh, about the shooting phase then, and we'll just move swiftly on to, to the, the charge best phase, bit. Shall we? <laughs> because right, just what is what is the the kind of ubiquitous combat weapon of the 41st millennium? The chainsword, really, is right. the classic, so, isn't it? So the, the kind of the most basic combat weapon uh, not basic oh that's probably a combat knife or whatever but the kind of yeah. the 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 standard yeah. by which all weapons are judged yeah or the zero level yeah. is a chainsword yeah the iconic weapon it's, yeah it's 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 a a chainsaw in weapon form like, yeah that's so, right so that's that's where you that just i think that says everything you need to know about the 41st millennium yeah that it your, really does that your basic weapon is a 10 foot bloke with a chainsaw as a as a sword that, that's yeah yeah i mean outrageous. Can, can do you even grim dark bro that's all i have to say to that yeah, you know exactly and <laughs> it's it's, like... it's only uphill or, or downhill if you're on the receiving end it's only downhill from there isn't it <laughs> yeah, exactly very much so so yeah well combat's changed big combat time. has changed i think we'll split it down as they do uh into charging and fighting but uh sure. the charge phase so multi-charges have gone haven't they because well not gone per se but you have to think about it because you, you now have to declare uh you can't assent, you can't assign any attacks to units that you haven't declared as part of your charge so Correct. you really have to think about how you're multi-charging and also That's there's right. the risk of characters piling in doing a heroic intervention yep 
Absolutely. And then on top of that, if you fail the charge, if you do declare a multi-charge and you fail to reach both the targets that you or the multiple targets, if you like, that you declared, then your charge fails. The whole charge fails. Exactly. So you've got a unit that's, you know, so 10 inches away and a unit unit that's five inches away, but they both look like tasty targets and you've got a massive unit, say a unit of 20 to 30 orc boys. Yeah. Then you're going to have to probably try and box clever unless you've got a re-roll, unless you yeah, want to exactly. chance it, which as an orc player, you know, I thoroughly recommend that's what you're doing. Yeah, you're a gambling um, man. But yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it yeah, does does uh, does invite some interesting tactical thought to the uh, to the process. It does. And I, and I think uh, on top of that now, so so one of the, the massive differences for 40k 8th edition is they, they lost the initiative characteristic. Uh, and so what that means is, is, okay, who strikes first then? Well, now he who charges strikes first. Now so this again. is a really, really cool mechanic. And do you <laughs> yeah. know what? If this happens to AOS in General's Handbook Two, like I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of this. Yeah. It, it, it for a start, it just, just for in, in the respect of streamlining, it's much more effective. It's, it's elegant. It works. If you charge, you strike first. Great. Yeah, but and the then you're not time, in positions because, because weren't you in a position where you know if you had a, a, a character in a combat that had initiative 10 and then your unit yeah. that was charged was initiative 7 but the unit in which yeah. the character was attached to were initiative 5 but you actually had a guy with a power fist which was initiative 1 and you know oh. exactly you'd have an initiative nightmare and it would just be like you know what's going on what happens if you have something <laughs> yeah. that tells you you always strike first with a banshee mask which says always strike last and then you have a power fist oh, but, but, oh, just, yeah. it was relentless yeah it was, it was, it, it was too complicated which was also it's, a special it, rule yeah Yeah. exactly right so now he who charges first strikes first fantastic that's nice and simple but you may go oh but hold on that means that a bunch of gretchen could charge my really cool howling banshees or whatever and you know and they could kill them before they strike well yes that is the advantage of charging however you still have interactivity in the game you still got the ability to be clever because you can use a command point stratagem to interrupt the charge uh the per- so after the first unit's charge the first charging unit's been resolved you can go right i'm going to use two command points and now i'm going to strike with my unit to interrupt that so you can still sort of protect you know your prize unit or whatever if you if you really need to ensure that you strike first so again it's cool it's promoting uh some some tactical thinking there you know do, does your opponent want to defend and burn command points are you going to try and do the multi-charge are you going to maybe burn a command point to try and re-roll the dice so that you can ensure that you can get both of those targets on the charge it's awesome and also it makes combat really gritty uh, there's something i feel now more than ever something really brutal about the assault phase in one before 2008 edition i don't as, know how as you it feel should about be that. like i say yeah. as it should be if you've got superhumans charging you know m- monstrous aliens or or warp tainted demons it needs to be gritty it needs to be punchy it needs to be pretty horrendous even yeah absolutely because i mean this is up close and personal you know guns that bayonets are fixed we this is this is brutal stuff exactly mm. so um just kind of touching on a, a sort of one of the, the the first things that probably happens when you declare a charge is, is overwatch yeah absolutely still so that's there. still there still, still there still hitting on sixes I yeah, say that's, that's kind of it's not not a huge amount different there no it's not uh the uh, the biggest difference it, it really is the fact that you can actually overwatch multiple times now. So as if long as, fir- as long as you're not engaged. Exactly. And that's <laughs> cool. Do you know what? I think that's cool because if you, again, and you know, 
not that I've been not well, I've been in in many situations where I've been charged by uh, by rabid warp tainted demons or anything like that. But you can <laughs> yeah. imagine being charged by a couple of them and wanting just to unload whatever weapon system you've got in your hand on both of them. Yes, I but would suspect so. <laughs> if, if one if one was all up in your grill and yep. hitting you hitting you with whatever sh- flavor of sharp stick that you had, then you wouldn't have the time to shoot the second one, would you? Yeah, but say if exactly if, right. if that warp tainted demon tripped tripped over a small rock or a twig or something on the way in and, and didn't reach mm. you, you wouldn't just go, "All right, cool. Well, he's not coming. I'll just let the next chaps come." Yeah, exactly. You know, I've I've done my Overwatch now, so I just I'm just going to stand here and ch- um, be charged. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't make any sense, you know. But what's even After cooler? You, but, sir, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, but here's the thing: what's even cooler now, and which makes also a lot of sense, is that vehicles. You know, everything can Overwatch now. In Seventh Edition, if you charge the tank, they just sat there. The tank crew just went, "That's okay." Come up onto my uh, tank, no problem. Drop your grenades in, it's fine. But now they will actually get to shoot you before you engage, which is really, really cool. And vehicles can charge you. I know. It's also awesome. (laughs) It's so good. It's like Robot Wars. Exactly. Oh, I love Robot Wars. Good show. <laughs> but here's the thing, you know, it's good. It represents that the tank's ramming because ramming's gone out of the movement phase now, but you've got that back. It's still there. It's just in the assault phase. It represents you smashing into, to, um, you know, mowing down uh, infantry, if you like, you know, and it, it, it again feels cinematic. It feels right. And I think you can have, it's cool because you can have units, say, for example, like, you know, something that's, say, for example, got spikes on it, like a like a Dark Elder, you know, transport. Mm. That's probably better than a, a Rhino might be. You know, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't don't know the Dark Elder rules, but are, are Raiders, have they got any special yes, they rules do. against, you know, spiking people with their prowls and things? Yes, they do. It's funny. That's called a shock prow, in fact. So, you know, again, you've hit the nail on the head. And this is where the real flavor of the individual factions comes in, because because everything's got an individual uh, data sheet now. And it's not like one catch all ramming phase rule. You know, what you've got is individual vehicles representing their own variant of assault. And things like Dark Elder Venoms and Dark Elder Raiders are much better on the assaults than something like a a Space Marine Rhino, you know, which is just really uh, (laughs) a a, a, a behemoth of a transport for the space marines but you know it's really cool and i think having that additional interactivity not only funnily enough it does streamline it but at the same time it also gives it a lot more flavor i feel that the factions are even more unique now than they were before as a result of this yeah definitely and like you say it's, it's less complex more flavor i think that's probably quite a yeah. good good summary for the whole the whole uh, the whole edition change i think uh, it's there's Very a much so. lot le- a lot less complexity but a lot more uh, still still the same amount of depth and more in some areas yeah so just uh i mean we talked about the charges you know now into the fight phase we talked about how charging um has changed and how, how that impacts your ability to fight with from, with regards to initiative and then mm. you once you've done all the units that have charged you then go into an i go you go absolutely so uh you know that again is 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 like sigma in that respect so you know after you've resolved your charges and whether you've interrupted uh, the charger if you like with your own burning of command points or whatever it then becomes you know uh, again a tactical choice because you have to think right well he's charged with these three units he's resolved all of those combats but i still have two other units over here which that are engaged right which one do i pick because i know that if i pick one then my opponent's going to be able to pick the other one because there's no point. Say, for example, he picks a unit which has struck 
and you you attack with it there's no point your opponent picking a unit to hit back with if he's already been hit so he may as well hit with a fresh unit to ensure that you don't he doesn't receive as many attacks in the subsequent phase it's it's really really cool again it it's adding another layer of tactical depth to the assault exactly so after the assault's done yeah the morale after the, uh the the corpses are laying down and you're you standing triumphant over the uh the bodies of your enemies yeah hopefully there's none left but uh right. if there are some left they're gonna have to take what's uh very very similar to an age of sigma battle shock test yeah yeah it's it's i think it's, it's i think in this instance correct me if i'm wrong it's pretty much identical in fact pretty much identical i would <laughs> yeah. say um, yeah and i i'm gonna go as far as to say that the morale phase in 40k is all the better for it Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, leadership again was a really funny thing in 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 seventh edition. A, Did it a lot really of things matter that much. Not really, because a lot of things were fearless or were made Everything fearless had by characters. Fear anyway, didn't they? Yeah, you know, it just it it was. I, it was a bit like it was a bit like weapon skill, and we didn't really talk about this, uh, touch on this, but now that your units have a fixed weapon skill to hit roll, we do have beasts of characters and monsters that can hit on twos you know that just didn't happen in, in seventh edition yeah exactly just take it in look at him <laughs> exactly you know it, this is really really cool now like your 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 hardcore close combat characters feel like they're hardcore close combat characters because they're always going to be good in combat for you they're not just going to be hitting on fours because they're hitting someone with an equal weapon skill you know so uh yeah look the morale phase after all of that's uh the the dust has settled you have to roll a d6 and add it to your leadership value plus or rather you'd have to add it to your the amount of models that have been removed from your units and then you have to equal to or be under your leadership value in order to not have any negative effects but if you go over your leadership value you take mortal wounds which is the the, the biggest and baddest wound you can each point that the test has failed one model in that unit must <gasps> be and it's oh, removed from play. Brutal. That's brutal. It's even worse than which, I thought. But you do choose which models flee. So again, again, you've yes, got the choice of, of it. But that's yeah. a whole model. So Terminators, two wounds apiece. They're, they're, they're gone. They're, they're gone. So, I mean, look, it's it's even worse than I thought it was. And on top of that, I mean, you could argue, well, that's, that may be too brutal, but you've got a command point. You know, you can re If you do roll too high on that leadership check value, you can re-roll it, which isn't a big issue, you know. So, again, it's <laughs> you have to be uh, sparing with those command points to know when to spend them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll we'll start to see, you know, yes, the detachments do give you a great degree of flexibility, but I think command points, and again, once we get the codexes and once we start getting stratagems that are unique to the army, yeah. people are going to start really worrying about those command points and really, really picking when to use them. I think it's going to become part of the... You know, part of the real crux of the game itself is knowing when to when to hold them and when to fold them, as the song goes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this it it will. I mean, when you, if you choose the right time, it can literally turn the tide of a battle in your favour, or you know, either ensure that you're going to still be in the game, or oh. deliver such a brutal hammer blow to your opponent that he's going to be out of the game. Or conversely, poor decision making. If you spend yeah. your command points poorly, then you're going to regret it. Turn three or turn four. Yeah, absolutely. You you're you're right. going to think, oh, if only I had that for that real crucial role. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I burnt them all on my uh, my advancing in the movement phase. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I mean, look, that, that just goes to show you how brutal morale is. But before anyone says anything, don't worry. You've still got 
those old equivalents of the uh, special rules. So Space Marines have a they shall know no fear. So they've actually got an inbuilt re-roll to their morale phase just and, to represent them. And they shall know no fear was always a bit of a weird one because, yeah, you know, Space Marines do do make up a, a large chunk of, of the 40k, uh, you know, scene. So the fact that all these armies had essentially you know, the leadership didn't really affect them because you, if they ran away, they just turned around, didn't they? There was no... That's right. The, yeah, it just, it just felt weird. So you, you've got, it, it was you've a, got a re-roll. Yeah. That's great. But now those uh, those Marines are going to be dying. If you do decent damage to a, a, a tactical squad, you've got yeah. a good chance of, you know, a couple of them disappearing. And then they're just yeah, combat ineffective. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, it, it's cool because, again, with that mechanic, it's actually something which helps speed the game up a little bit more because whereas before you would have a lot of stagnant combats you know with uh, with fearless blobs in seventh edition that's what was another little trick that people used to do they'd call it tar pitting right so basically these guys would die but they would never run away <laughs> you know you'd have a blob of 50 guards like nurgle, like nurgle zombie cultists or something yeah exactly right you know and so you'd have this like this horrible dredging combat and you'd feel like you're just not getting anywhere but now because you're taking lots of wounds you're killing lots of them they're going to have to take a morale check and they're going to be losing a lot of additional models every phase so again it helps speed these things up and increases the interactivity of the game and what can you do if you're stuck in a combat you don't want to be in? Well, you can fall back. You can That's fall back. That's the thing. Yeah, you can really fall back. Cool. Yeah, so you don't you don't have tar pitting doesn't exist anymore. It's you know it's 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 so cool. The combat phase now is 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 absolutely awesome. Brilliant. Yeah. So there we go. We've uh, I think we've any any other points to add on the phases. Well, I don't think so. I think we've, we've pretty much comprehensively covered the rule, <laughs> the rule system, actually. I mean, really, now, it's all, all about, if you, if you haven't tried 8th yet, I'd highly recommend doing so. Pick yourself up an index of your, of your faction. Give the rule book a read, because as we've described, it's not going to take you very long. And the, and, prim- uh, the primer's free, so you've got no excuse. Yeah, exactly. You've got no excuse. Get and in there and even, have some games. Even a, uh, a sort of veteran's guide on, uh, on the Warhammer community site, isn't there? There is, yeah. So, so again, those, those it's, it's almost you know if you if you just listen if you got this far into the episode it's probably we've probably covered the majority of the points but it's you know talking it's about true. the differences and you know the, the primers free which has got the basic rules you know the index the index books are you know almost free yeah yeah they're very um, cheap they're very cheap and the thing is you get friendly up. friendly local model score exactly exactly right exactly right no it's it, it's good because now on top of that with eighth edition uh, games workshop has has given so much support with the warhammer community site and again this is really a relatively new thing you know 12 cast your minds back to 12 months ago and that that didn't really exist you know you've got uh, multiple avenues of support for for picking up the game learning the rules learning how the factions work and you've even got youtube you've got people like me on youtube that you can watch battle reports on to learn the rules as well so it's pretty easy and and the involvement and again this is again this is something we've we've alluded to on on fact, both episodes uh, we've just been singing games Workshop, games workshops uh, praises um, yeah. hashtag not shills um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that the, their involvement you know for example you and I were both you know very lucky to be be sent preview copies of of the uh, the dark Imperium box and mm. and th- that's you know that's not just us boasting like, oh look at us we got a box that's actually <laughs> demonstrating yeah the the level of engagement that actually those hobbyists who are you know getting actively involved in the community games workshop are willing to sort of help them be involved in the community so because 
part of it's part of the hobby, isn't it? That community involvement, you know, sharing things on forums, you know, yeah, you know, go, going even just go, as simple as going down the club and like showing people your armies, and it's part and parcel of going to events, isn't it? You wander around between games and look at armies. Just everyone's very, very passionate about this game. Yes, they and, are, and, and the way right. Games Workshop are invo- uh, getting involved these days just allows people to be always passionate about that game so they don't have to wait until Wednesday night to go down the game club they don't have to wait till the weekend to talk, to talk about it with their tournament friends they can talk about it online they can talk about it on the various Facebook groups they can get onto the tabletop tactics forum they can do everything you know yeah. they can listen to podcasts they can watch videos whilst painting and it's it's just this this whole community and the whole scene is really really positive at the moment I think yeah no I completely agree you, you've got more avenues of you know getting your hobby fix and getting involved in the community than you've ever had before and that i mean now this is perfect because it just goes full circle about how making the game more accessible uh and it is <laughs> you know it really is now you've got the community support you've got a rule system to support entry into the game uh it's there's no better time to to, to restart 40k or age of sigma really and for that matter uh, than now brilliant so i think that probably wraps us up really Awesome. Last question with regards okay. to 8th edition. Is it the best edition of 40k that's ever existed? Without a doubt. Easily. And I think it's fair for me to say that because I've been playing since second and I've played every edition. So, <laughs> so yes, it has my inquisitorial seal of approval. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The seal of approval from Lawrence of Tabletop Tactics. <laughs> but your teeth did, yeah. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The seal of approval from Lawrence from Tabletop Tactics on 8th edition. Boom. So, uh, Lawrence, uh, one of the things I do when, uh, when we sign off, uh, before we go on to Twitter handles. Sure. Uh, one of the things I do... Uh, when I sign off, is do a thought for the day. So what is your favourite 40k quote that uh, we can sign off with? Okay. There was a quote that uh, was made, (laughs) and I always loved this quote, was made uh, about the Officio Assassinorium. I remember it from a second edition. Yeah, it was during second edition. It was a white dwarf, and I read it from there, and the quote is, the end justifies the means. And that certainly sums up the brutality of the 41st millennium, doesn't it? Yes, it does. No no Geneva Convention for Space Marines? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if you want to get hold, if people want to get hold of, of you, rather, uh, yeah. where can they find you? Right, well, you can, uh, you can find me on the website, which is www.tabletoptactics.tv uh, or you can just search for us on YouTube so just uh, Google Tabletop Tactics and you will find what you're looking for and uh, you'll see a whole bunch of battle reports and list analysis tactical videos we've got a forum on the website as well which is really thriving people submitting lists asking rules questions and stuff so multiple ways to connect uh, we are of course on Facebook and uh, Instagram as well all of the handles are at Tabletop Tactics so it's nice and easy Brilliant. And uh, myself, I'm at DangerMouse425. Uh, Steve and Ben, who uh, obviously haven't been on this episode, are, are at TinRacerSteve and at BadDice underscore podcast, respectively. Um, and if you want to find uh, Ashes of the Imperium anywhere on the, the interwebs, we are AOTI, that's the first letters of Ashes of the Imperium, AOTI40K, and we are on Twitter, 
Facebook and Instagram. In fact, new Facebook and new Instagram page. Very exciting. Uh, so slightly fledgling there. So we're going to start to get uh, pictures of uh, of Ben Steves and, and several guest guest armies as well. So we might we might try and get Lawrence to send us some pictures and put them up on our Instagram as well. Awesome. Um, so yeah, check out check out Tabletop Tactics and uh, yeah, you, uh, how often you know how often do you produce content and you know is it battle reports or is it reviews? Is it a mixture of everything? Yeah, we've got a mixture of everything, but you can generally expect. So I've got two channels. I have an on-demand channel and I have a free view channel. Uh, they're both on YouTube and on the website. But you can expect at least two videos a week. It's um, it's it's pretty busy around here. <laughs> That's good. So uh, lots of good stuff to watch uh, whilst you're painting. Oh, yes. Cool. So, Lawrence, I think, as I say, I think that probably wraps it up. Uh, do you have any, any, further, any further points about the, uh, the transition from 7th to 8th? No, I don't. I think uh, I think I've summarized it already. You know, get yourself involved. Get onto YouTube. You listen to podcasts. Get onto the Warhammer community sites. And uh, if you're based in the UK, I'd highly recommend uh, checking out some of the Throne of Skulls events as well, because it's a great way of meeting new people and uh, and playing a, a good weekend uh, of of games in the actual mecca of Warhammer. Definitely. And if you've never been to a tournament, you know, whether it's, you know, with Nottingham's too far, if you've never been to a tournament and you thought, you know, it's not really for me, competitive gaming, you know, put those notions aside and grab a, grab a couple of mates from your local club and, and head down. And at least, you know, even if it isn't for you, you've had a good weekend with your mates playing war, war games. But you know, certainly you'll find, I found that uh, there's a mix of people there playing playing. 40k coming from a whole different levels of background and different levels of experience and and there's something for everyone in the tournament scene i think absolutely absolutely you know it's uh, the, the throne of skulls events are just top notch as well they really run run well you've got bugman's bar i mean what more do you want <laughs> exactly exactly so lawrence well first of all um just before we disappear just want to say thank you very much for joining us um it's pleasure. been a pleasure having you on thank you so much for having me on it's been great talking to you no worries. Uh, so that's us, Ashes of the Imperium, episode three done. Signing off. Happy hobbying, guys. Thought for the day. The end justifies the means. The end justifies the means.